A farmer's time is valuable. That's why Blaine's Farm and Fleet has made shopping for your must-haves quick and easy. Simply order online at farmandfleet.com and pick up your items in just one hour in their convenient drive-thru. Or try Farm and Fleet's same-day local delivery option. Josh Grit is in a real bind. He's the service and general manager as well as a co-owner of Wapon Equipment. So what's the problem? Like many shops out there, he can't find enough skilled service techs to meet the needs of his customers. For the Midwest Farm Report, this is Carrie Mess. Josh, you told me that you have 26 service techs across your locations, but in a perfect world, how many would you have? Probably like 32 or 34. Josh, why do you think there's such a shortage in service technicians? A lot of that stems from 40 years ago, equipment was a lot simpler. So you could train somebody in a week or two on most of the basic stuff. Now uh, the equipment's exponentially more complex, so you can't learn it in 10 minutes or two days or three days. It's quite an extensive amount of training to get the basics on even just how to troubleshoot and diagnose the equipment. So with the added productivity and added all these efficiencies that that OEMs sell uh, to growers, with it comes exponential complexity from a service and maintenance standpoint. And it's not just a lack of service techs. You say it's also farmers relying heavily on shops. You know, 40 years ago, a lot of guys could work on their own equipment. 30 years ago, they could do the basic stuff themselves. You know, they had the tools and the capacity to be able to do it. And now machine complexity has made that difficult for people to do even, for the most part, basic maintenance on their equipment. So it's not even necessarily that there's more equipment or anything like that. It's it's uh, very few people attempt to do any of their own maintenance just because of the complexity of the equipment now. So you're short on people and not all of the folks you have in the shop have that advanced knowledge needed to work on some equipment. What does that boil down to for farmers? Ooh, slows down the turnaround time. And there isn't a lot of equipment out on lots that can be used as a rental in case of a bigger breakdown. You know, that's kind of the double-edged sword of the times we're in. You know, if you go back two years, two and a half years, there was a most industry pundits will call it a, a glut of inventory, too much stuff. Now the last year and a half with all the supply chain shortages and uh, new equipment cost going up and availability going down, uh, it's kind of cleared out all the equipment that was on lots. So not only do your shop turnaround is longer, your availability to have a backup machine is almost non-existent now. So it's a definitely a double-edged sword. And then it's almost like three edges now because you also have the parts availability issue and supply chain issues where, you know, a part that you could normally get overnighted in a day might be backordered for six weeks. So now it's, you know, coming at you from the worst case scenario in all situations almost, unfortunately. So what do farmers do if they have a big breakdown in the middle of corn harvest? That's a struggle. Um, some of them have gone to, you know, they hire, if they got a neighbor that's got it, got something they can use or a neighbor that's getting done or someone, a custom guy to come in and finish up some acres or, you know, hope that it can get patched together in a timely enough fashion to be able to finish up. But we've been fortunate. I mean, there hasn't been major catastrophic stuff. Um, What we've seen some guys do in the past year uh, when they do trade equipment or when they update equipment, they don't trade their old stuff in. They keep the old one for a spare just in case. Um, We're seeing a lot more of that in the last year and a half. It's a nice thought, but that's hard to bankroll. Yeah, especially with rising prices and so on. So what would you suggest is the best way for farmers to keep their equipment out of your shop? I mean, I know you want the business, but you've got a lot of (laughs) it. Yeah, yeah. I I mean, in a perfect world, it's it's regular maintenance, off-season maintenance. Um, We do 
winter service programs, that is hands down the best way to. It, then, if you have breakdowns in the season, they tend not to be catastrophic. They tend to be, you know, simple things that can turn around in a day. If you wait on fixing this piece and, you know, try to risk it, we're going to get through one more season with it. Well, if one piece breaks and it grenades and creates a chain reaction and then you've got a catastrophic breakdown versus if you do the maintenance in January, February, March, or, you know, in the summer, if it's a combine, you wind up, you know, if something breaks, it's one piece because you have, you've, you've maintained the rest of the machine and it's just a kind of the course of regular business. You know, you, you have a tire go flat or you have a light bulb burnout or you have a, you know, belt break, pretty minor stuff that you could turn around pretty quick. You don't have something that fails and takes out other pieces because you're, you're running a machine that hasn't been properly maintained or serviced or updated. Like many of the equipment dealers out there, you offer on-call service for after hours, but are you still able to do that even though you're light on techs? Not. Not to the extent, you know, it's kind of when it's available, we do, but it's not always available. That's That's been a struggle. So you mentioned catastrophic events. The one I think of with as dry as it's been this season is combine fires. So what are your recommendations to make sure that farmers aren't starting their combines on fire this fall? Right. Yeah. Get get friendly with the air compressor, air nozzle. Make sure, you know, your filters and cab air filters and everything are clean. You know, just clean and chaff off of high rotation spots, you know, bearings and pulleys and belts, you know, making sure there's not four days worth of chaff and oil built up, sitting around just waiting to get hot and spark. Like if you got a bearing out, replace it now. Don't try to limp it through for another day because then you might wind up with a fire and there's no backup machine for you to have. So then you're up the creek. Preventative maintenance is a great idea, of course, but are those parts available? Can you get the filters you need? Those have been, for the most part, uh, readily available. A lot of the, the general maintenance, you know, oil, filters, the, the stuff that's been hard to get has been specific specific components like in high dollar components like hydraulic pumps and gearboxes, you know, things that'll actually prevent you from moving. General maintenance stuff has been for the most part available in short order. So, you know, that that can go a long way, you know, checking the machine over even a week or two before you're going to head to the field and just make sure that there's nothing loose or cut. It, it is amazing. That'll cut your downtime immensely. I don't have a stat for what it does, but I just know when we get all the guys who we service through on a winter inspection for combines, we tend to have a lot fewer service calls in the fall. And the service calls that we do have wind up being minor, you know, not something that would stop a guy from combining. It's a more of a technology thing like this function doesn't work, you know, this cool creature comfort, but it doesn't really affect whether or not the machine functions so you can still get your crop out of the ground. Circling back to getting service technicians hired, there's a lot of talk these days about skipping four-year school and going to trade school instead. Are you seeing that? You are. Um, the dilemma is, you know, it just takes time. You know, I think there's a lot more kids that are pursuing trade schools now and tech schools going that route. But, you know, it's really just started in the last year or two, maybe three. So, you know, it still takes two years of going through a program and then two or three years of doing kind of like apprenticeship type stuff. So, you know, I don't think you'll see the the results of that for probably two or three years yet before you really start seeing a new flock of the next generation of technicians and stuff coming in. So, you know, you're kind of in that in-between time right now. Um, You can see it, you know, you go to like a high school graduation today and they've got a list of, you know, 50 kids that are graduating. 10, 15 years ago, it was 45 kids going to four-year school and five going to trade school. You know, now it's a closer split. You might have, you know, 30 or 40% going to a trade or community or tech school and, you know, maybe half to two-thirds going to uh, four-year school. And I, I joke about it a little bit, but you, you have mullet competitions again. We didn't have that for a long time. I have seen so, those. But, 
yeah. I mean, it's become more of a, you know, some of the these social media stars uh, for farming, like millennial farmer and corn, coal the corn star, and those type of guys have kind of created a perception of making that in again. You know, those guys are having an impact on people that are wanting to make a make a switch basically you know they're sitting there and they're watching videos on coal the corn star and they're like man i want to get into that i think you're you're just starting to see that now though it's cool that it's happening but i i don't think we're going to see the positive of it for probably like two or three years yet till we get some more people through programs and trained and learning and so on and so forth well josh we better let you get back to work so you can move some more tractors through your shop thanks for joining us for the midwest farm report this is carrie mess